Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Movies We've Seen on the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Alex, joined as always by... Camden. Who? Okay, uh, you all listening don't know this, but we've been having, for the second time in a row, trouble connecting to get this podcast. But we're finally connected, so... Uh, Welcome, everybody, to our 11 people who have listened to this so far, (laughs) which most of them are probably the same person. Uh, We we send the last podcast. We were going to be doing these episodes more often. Um, That episode came out two months ago. So, (laughs) um, but we should have another one doing soon. We just, we don't have a schedule for these. So just expect them at random times. Um. Oh, we are still kids, and, you know, we got to do our summer, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so, we're, as always, going to talk about four movies again. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Jojo Rabbit, uh, 2019 movie, uh, directed by Taika Waititi. Uh, Camden, I know you've seen this movie, but when was the last time you saw it? Uh, three months ago, I think. Oh, okay. So, how much would you say you remember about this movie? Um, honestly, since since this you know shut down, everything's been so like fast. It's probably I remember all of it because I've watched oh. it two times too. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so, so I just watched it for the first time this past Monday. So, uh, we're gonna talk about this. This is the only good, well, objectively good movie we're talking about today. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Uh, Jojo Rabbit is about a boy named Jojo. I think that's a, is that his nickname or his real name? Um, I, no, his nickname's Jojo Rabbit. His real name's Jojo. Yeah, well, they call him Jojo Rabbit because he like didn't kill a rabbit. Yeah, um, that's why. But anyway, it's about a little boy who is um brain. I wouldn't say brainwashed, but just growing up in Germany during World War II. All the kids were raised to believe to be Nazis. So it's technically a Nazi, but not really. Uh, yeah. And his imaginary friend, Hitler, um, they he uh, finds that his mother is harboring an older Jewish girl uh, in the uh, his, his dead sister's bedroom. And yeah. then stuff ensues. Base, uh, yeah, if you couldn't yeah. tell by that description where I say his sister's dead, this is going to have spoilers. So if you have not seen this movie, yeah. uh, I either be ready to be spoiled or watch the movie before. And actually, on that topic, I'll say it right now. All the movies we've, we're going to talk about, we're going to do spoilers first. So if you want to yeah. see the movie, don't watch this. Because <laughs> we're well, going to be spoiling it. <laughs> um, okay, so... First off, just first impressions. Uh, I, I both. I think we both think that Jojo Rabbit's a really good movie. It is, yes. Um, made same guy as Thor Ragnarok. Very obviously, very different from Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. But uh, so uh, the first thing I guess I want to talk about is the. Uh, uh, I get. Do, do you have any thoughts you want to just get out there first? Um... Like, first things to start talking about. I mean, there are a lot of good things to talk about. You know, it's just, it's unique how this movie kind of changes its tone. It starts from this kind of almost, like, light kind of, you know, oh, childish kind of, like, comedy to some extent. And then it goes kind of uh, to a more kind of darker state, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think the first scene 
where you could tell it's not going to continue to be completely a comedy is when the inspectors show up at the house. And yeah, then maybe. after, like, JoJo finds his mom dead, that's, oh, yeah. that's what really just turns mm-hmm. completely more into a drama. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously still a few jokes in the second half, but the second half is much more um, of a serious movie. And I think that the second half is way better than the first half. Yeah. The first half is still good, but mm-hmm. the second half is what really made me really like this movie. Yeah. Um, one character I want to talk about in particular, because this is a character where the movie came out that a lot of people didn't like, but I do, is uh, the, uh, the character of the guy who was running the uh, boys' camp and then got yeah. fired. Got the mm-hmm. eye. So a lot of people didn't like him because he is a Nazi, but he is mm-hmm. shown doing a few good things. And so people accuse the movie of being sympathetic toward Nazis. And I am just going to completely disagree that's, with that. That's, yeah, that's not true at all. Um, you know, he was, yeah, it's not true. It, the movie was not trying to paint him as a good person. They're just trying to paint him that he was, in fact, a person. Because mm-hmm. with a I lot mean, of movies, I don't think you've noticed this. Uh, people didn't know this, but do you know he? But he, you know, he was gay, right? Yeah. Well, with the that's yeah, probably the that's probably why you know that's just because you know since you know the whole Nazi thing was you know against gays, you know, and the fact that he was gay, you know, it, it, maybe he has some sympathy for you know other people, you know, maybe he's just not just kind of more of just forced into being a Nazi, you know. Well, yeah, and uh, the other thing is. I, uh, but also they made it on for that on purpose. They made you feel some sympathy to make it show how, like, even though the Nazis were bad, they're still people. Like, we're all people. You know, exactly. I'm saying that I'm saying that the people who at the end you saw all these Nazis die, you felt sympathy because it's like these, even the kids, like, these are just kids and people kind of put into this world where they're kind of forced into fighting this war, you know? Exactly. I, and I really don't think I, I don't think the movie's trying to say that they're good people. They're just trying to say that they're people, which mm-hmm. is a good sentiment to have because as like as evil as they were, they were still people, and a lot of them were uh, not forced, but they did it because they were essentially brainwashed from you. Yeah, like and, Jojo, you know, we yeah, like he's not a a bad person, but he's just meant to believe these bad things. Exactly, um, and I feel like with that that character. Um, and a lot of the other adult Nazi characters, except for the inspectors, I'd say that all of them um, portray a different side of Nazis in the media. And that's uh, showing the Nazis being really stupid, but also as people, because either when they're like when usually like if you turn on a History Channel documentary, they're like, oh, the Nazis had the best weapons and they had the <laughs> best tanks trying to make them seem like all tough and stuff. Um, and, but then like stuff that's like making fun of the Nazis, it doesn't. They're just like cartoon characters, essentially. So mm-hmm. showing them as stupid, but also people, I feel like was yeah. a really good approach to this movie because they could still mm-hmm. do uh, jokes with it, but they could also mm-hmm. show go, get across the point that we're all people. Um, mm-hmm. We all make mistakes and some of the evil things people do. Um, I, it, it's still their fault, but mm-hmm. that a lot of the times evil is led from a source that hurts everyone along the way yeah and that's part of like the progression of the movie because if they show that scene where everyone's getting shot or the or the uh, america comes in and like destroys everything if they show that scene in the beginning 
we wouldn't feel sympathy. But because we've already been through this journey of, you know, kind of going in these people's views of what's going on, you know, that's kind of part of the pro- progr- progression because it shows, you know, that's how kind of how we start to feel sympathy because we show that like they're forced into this, you know, they're just, yeah, they're just forced. Yeah. And again, it's not trying to show them as good. It's just trying to mm-hmm. show them that they, they like what they did is not acceptable by any means, but mm-hmm. you, you could still feel at least something mm-hmm. for them. They don't just have to be the embodiment of all. E- well, I guess what you'd say is that these, the characters in this movie are not completely evil. What they do uh, is evil. They themselves are not completely evil. Mm-hmm. And again, the whole point is that they show that because they show that near the end of the movie, you know, like, I bet, I swear, if I watched the movie at the beginning and I saw that, I would be like, okay, well, they're still Nazis, you know, but they yeah. kind of almost trick us to where I, when I was watching the movie and I started to feel a little sympathy, I almost reminded myself, like, oh, yeah, these are Nazis, you know, so that's something that exactly. I felt like the, the movie did really well. They showed, you know, that these are people, we're all people, you know. The only one they uh, didn't show as a person was Hitler, obviously. Yeah, because um, he wasn't but- really a person. Because he was JoJo's imaginary friend, and the way he worked was really well because it showed JoJo's changing perspective. Because mm-hmm. it goes from him loving Hitler, think he's, thinking he's great, and then he goes into um, doubts about Hitler after his mom dies, but he still thinks he has to be a Nazi. And he, in those scenes, he's scared of Hitler. But at the very end of the movie, Hitler still like, as mean and evil as he was in the other times, but JoJo, like, doesn't idolize him. He's not afraid of him anymore. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, just the change that... Uh, the change that JoJo goes through is so well represented through his imaginary Hitler friend that um, it, it shows, again, how a lot of these people believed the first version of... Um, jojo's imaginary friend hitler but how jojo was able to overcome that view thanks to people like his mom and uh mm. Elsa, that um girl. yeah uh that they uh he could overcome that and mm. i feel like when the at the end of the movie where that uh guy with the one eye sacrifices mm. himself for jojo's life it shows that Jojo was not necessarily the only one who could have overcome that. Now, a lot of them didn't overcome that. That's the whole point. Um, but that they all had the capacity to overcome that. Yeah, something I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but also it's because when the war ended, because so you're talking about how like, you know, then he's up, you know, he was first he was, you know, afraid like he he was kind of forced into being a Nazi, you know, but then like once like, it was almost like a new world, like, once America won, you know, and then it's, like, it kind of, the movie kind of shows of how, like, he's kind of entering a new world, you know, or it's, like, yeah. he doesn't know what to be, and that's why he didn't want that girl to leave, even though they said that his father was supposed to return after the war, they said that, I don't know if you remember that, Yeah. but still, it's just, it just goes to show you, like, he doesn't know what to do, that's why he wants the Jewish girl to stay there, because he's to adapt to this new world, because he's been living under this, I mean, pr- pretty much his whole life, he's been living under this kind of world of its own, you know? And now he has to adapt to this new environment, a new surrounding, pretty much. And Yeah, you know? I 
definitely see that where in that war scene when Yorkie tells him that Hitler killed himself and he just is such a disbelief in him that it shows how much that how the government essentially forced these people into having so much faith in them and then these people had no idea what they were doing once mm-hmm. that government completely fell okay. apart i don't know if you've noticed a final scene but it also shows to like to kind of just don't always almost like don't always think in the future just kind of celebrate for like the time you have you know yeah i could just like when they that. started dancing at the end yeah you know? i showed like why would you why do you enter this new world with fear you know you should like you don't enter something with fear enter it with like a almost like a positive mindset you know yes definitely um well i think that's the the main talking points i mean we could go over acting and stuff but i thought all the acting yeah there was nothing like i was blown away by but there was nothing bad either it's all mm. good uh one thing i'll say is uh good child acting for a movie uh that's that's always a plus when the child actors mm-hmm. are good at acting so i'll say that um but do, do you have anything else you want to say about this movie not really i mean it was just it was a good movie you know it really made right. you kind of it really kind of made you think you know yeah so uh what are we thinking for our scores out of 10 and 5 uh i would give it a 4 4 out of 5 yeah Okay, four out of five, eight out of ten. That's kind of where I am. Um, I mean, I can't really I, think I, of anything that was bad. I just, it just wasn't. It didn't feel like a five movie, you know. Even though yeah. I can't think of anything bad. Can you think of anything that you didn't love? I mean, just... I didn't. I didn't love the choice of the songs they played, but I also didn't hate it either. It just like I didn't mind it. I didn't yeah. love it, but I didn't mind it. There was um, nothing about this movie that really. It made it like a five star. Nothing about this movie that was amazing, but there wasn't really anything about this movie that really pushed it a really like problematic, you know, fault yeah. of the movie. Um, one thing we will definitely agree on: this movie. Please stop saying this movie is sympathizing with Nazis. Not, like, showing it's just a, showing, showing were, everyone's people, you know, showing that they had the capacity to have empathy. They were just mm-hmm. like by their government was told to ignore it and they did that's actually that there are actually people you know who were nazis that weren't all bad some of them you know some of them actually were against it you know it just shows you not to judge people about something you know just because other people do it because not everyone has that belief well yeah like rosie uh jojo jojo's mother like again her son was a full-blown nazi and she was passing out those liberate germany notes. so yeah so um the, the, that's our Jojo Rabbit discussion. Uh, that's the that's the main insightful discussion. Uh, now, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, the next movie we're going to be talking about is Soul Surfer from some year of the early 2000s, directed by Sean McNerma. Um, so, this movie is a biopic about Bethany Hamilton, who is a surfer who got her arm bitten off by a reef shark and learned to overcome it. So we're talking about soul surfer. Um, first thing I just want to say right off the bat about this movie is it's a stupid, stupid title. <laughs> it is the like that title means nothing with the rest of the movie. Yeah. 
The only thing I could guess is because this movie has a very weird angle about religion in it, too. Um, uh, so I guess soul, but it, it, the trying whole... To find her, yeah, trying to find her meaning, maybe? I don't know. Um, so if you can't tell by our uh, mundaneness and a little bit of sarcasm, this movie is not very good. Uh, that can also be said by the director, Sean McNarma, who's other claim to fame is the movie Three Ninjas at Mega Mountain, uh, which is known as one of the worst movies ever made. And it's so, kind of a bummer, really, because, like, it's actually an interesting story, and they could actually make a good movie out of it, like, but instead of, you know, actually hiring an actual director and actual, like, actors, I hire a bunch of nobodies. Or at yeah. least somebody who's only known for bad things. Yeah, this movie, the, the story, you can make it more interesting, like, the story could be interesting, but the way the movie presents it, there's either some parts that are laughably bad and the rest of it is just boring. Insanely boring. Yeah. Insanely Scenes boring. where Bethany is talking to her mom and dad in the kitchen for like 15 minutes straight. And it's just yeah. like, you could have trimmed this down to like a minute and a half and we would have gotten the exact same value out of it. Mm. And the scene I was kind of disappointed about was when she got her arm bit off by the shark <laughs> it just i mean it was actually take that back i wasn't disappointed because it was hilariously bad i mean just as, just the editing was so bad you know it's just i don't even think they showed the arm like i don't the think editing, they showed the, 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 this movie really likes to just use light sources in really weird ways so you can find the clip of the shark attack on youtube if you want it or you can watch the movie it's on netflix now but um it is, uh, you essentially see the shark for like half a second, just like kind of pop out of the water and pop out. Then is screaming. You see a flash of sunlight, then some blue, and then Bethany is standing like on the beach and her dad just like screaming, Bethany, in slow motion while with a blurred camera. Like, Sean McNarma, I know you're not known for being a good director, but what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, the other scene where this directing slash any, visual yeah. effects the other scene where this uh, directing slash visual effects nightmare is shown in full force at the end of the movie where she's riding through a wave and it's like I think it's trying to make her look like an angel like she's the sole surfer but it, it looks so bad and so fake and the actress playing Bethany Hamilton has this really weird looking grin on her face and it's just so so poorly edited and so poorly green screened and it's just not good mm -hmm. um as we said the acting is not very good the, there is no oh, emotion in that dialogue yeah. it is completely flat um and then the other thing again the, the weird religious angle is that like for the first half of the movie like the religion obviously um it makes sense in the plot Bethany Hamilton in real life was obviously very religious. But there's this one part, after Bethany gets her arm bitten off, the leader of her church is like, why aren't you coming with us to a third world country to pack beans? It's like, you, people who are religious in real life um, would, like, would not be like telling you to come pack beans with them after you would have your arm bitten off by an actual shark. Yeah. But, uh, other than that three things, oh, the, sorry, that was incorrect grammar. Uh, other than those three things, this movie is just so very, insane. Very boring. boring. 
It's it just seeing of people talking. Mm-hmm. That you see Bethany's talking to her dad on the beach. Then she's talking to her mom in the kitchen. Then she's talking to the church lady in the church that's probably just a reuse set from the house. Then she's talking with her friend on the beach. Then she's talking with a rival surfer before the competition. Then she wins the competition, and then the movie is over. Now, the only thing that I guess was like, trying to make really kind of like intense and action-y was the final surf off and stuff, but it was just really awkward because the camera's just so... I don't even know if she's actually... Sur- no, I think she's surfing. I, I don't really know. It's just the camera's all over the place, you know? Yeah, the cinematography t- is awful. You could tell awful. they just—you could tell they hired someone uh, off his first year of college for uh, cinematography or whatever, because yeah. it was—it was—it was pretty bad. I, I mean, and those scenes in the kitchen and stuff are so poorly lit. You're about to—you think it's about to be like, "Mom, I don't want to eat this tonight. Can we have craft family dinners instead?" Um, so yeah, this this movie is not very good. Um. But because it's also so insanely boring, there isn't too much to say yeah, about it. To talk about. Um, so, you ready for your final score? Mm-hmm. Do it out of 10 this time instead of... Because I always think of it out of 10, and so when you said, like, 4 for Jojo Rabbit, I thought you were saying 4 out of 10 for a second, but then I knew it was okay. 4 out of 5. All right. So, what are you doing for out of 10? Out of 10, 1. I did slightly higher with a 1.5. Really? 1.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. The only reason Actually, I gave it a 1 is just because, I mean, it is a movie. You know, yeah. that's the only reason. It is a movie. It is a movie, and it's not, like, at least it looks somewhat like a movie. Mm-hmm. Unlike the next movie we're going to be talking about. And that movie is, the next movie we're going to be talking about um, is directed by a very infamous director named Derek Savage. Uh, and the movie is Gun Self-Defense for Women and for Men Too. Um, now, Camden, you obviously don't know this, and people, but people listening will do. Uh, when I title this podcast, I am going to not call this movie by the full name because Derek Savage is very known for trying to like take down stuff that even remotely criticizes him. So we're going to very discreetly just say like gun movie in the title um, because... I do not want Derek Savage to go up and be like, ignorance of the lull is not Nakus. <laughs> um, people who listen to Sardonicast obviously know that about this stuff. Uh, Derek, um, Daddy Derek, he made this movie seemingly for no reason. Uh, he put up an Indiegogo right when he was in controversy for the copyright stuff. Uh, he was asking for $35,000. He got two hundred and fourteen, dollars um, and he still made it. So didn't doesn't really uh, show. Well, I guess, I mean, it shows that it was only made for a couple hundred dollars because this movie is one of the most unprofessional things I have ever seen in my life. For something that's tried to be an informative documentary, I didn't learn a single thing this <laughs> entire 87-minute runtime. Yeah. So, to give you a brief rundown on this uh, movie, if you want to call it a movie, um, the movie follows uh, Daddy Derek as he goes to random women and he tries to teach us how to load our gun, uh, inspect our gun, 
Uh, he says he's going to teach us how to clean our gun, but he never does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most of the movie is just Derek doing um, a bunch of random stuff that is vaguely related to either self-defense or guns. Mm-hmm. But also, um, Derek's like explanation is just so um, extreme. He's basically saying to a woman, if someone walks up to your car, that someone like walks up to your car, maybe they have medical, maybe they have a medical, maybe they need medical attention, you know? No. He's saying that they're a bad guy and you should shoot him. <laughs> yeah. He, it, this whole thing is about self-defense. He, well, he says it's about self-defense. The real thing is he really wants a, a lot of women to just carry guns around to have an excuse to shoot. And not, not, none of this is more prevalent than in the scene where Derek, but the infamous scene where Derek takes a random girl he probably found off the street and big boy that's what he calls his cameraman. And look, uh, cameraman, you're probably not listening to this, but if you are, I'm sorry. You will forever be known as Big Boy because Derek Savage called you that. So Derek Savage takes his girl and Big Boy out to the desert. And they just shoot guns. Um, there's one time when the girl shoots um, a gun and the uh, I like shrapnel from the bullet goes down her shirt. She starts shaking her shirt. Of course, Daddy Derek comes and is immediately trying to look down her shirt while the girl is waving the gun about to shoot big boy and big boy looks terrified for his life so uh you you want to see how unprofessional this movie is you take that scene also every transition in this movie looks like it was taken from windows movie maker in 2006 there's like the screen crunching transition block fade transition just all this stuff you would do on microsoft paint in 2012 or something this movie um, claims on the box it was came out in 2019, but if you look on IMDb or uh, Letterboxd, it says it was 2016, which makes a little more sense, um, but it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense because this feels like something that was made in the early 2000s. And another weird thing that's just kind of funny and kind of, you know, just random is that he keeps <laughs> he keeps interviewing these girls about uh, and their stories about them, you know, getting you know robbed or threatened or whatever, at this apartment place, making it look like it's all happening at this like luxury apartment complex, you know, or a condo condominium area. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of random and funny. So, so it's like, yeah, how many robberies are going on in this one place? I mean, there's a lot of just random funny stuff, like the different sayings he says. You know, he says, <laughs> he says. Um, amen, praise God to people um, for seemingly no reason about 80 times of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also, when a woman will tell her story about how she was abused or raped or robbed, he'll just go, wow. <laughs> like, that's Another, your response? <laughs> now, I know Alex explained how Derek looked down a girl's you know, skirt, so you assume that he's attracted to girls, but this movie sh- uh, tell- shows you a little different story. Uh, Derek is a- a- most attracted to his to guns. His guns. Not, not he- like his car muscle guns. No, no, no. His physical Control guns. guns. He, in the first scene where he's teaching about your gun, he says, hey, get to know your gun like you would know a romantic partner. And there's another scene in the movie where a woman is answering the door and someone says, uh, pizza delivery, is your husband home? And she pulls out a <laughs> shotgun and goes, yeah, he is right here. 
No, so, another uh, funny scene is when Derek is going to like this gun convention, and it just yeah, it's very funny because they're showing stuff that I don't know who in the world would buy, like body armor or uh, a military suit. Like who? Like there was, a, there was that? a there was a jeep that was converted into a tank from World War Two, and he's like, "This would be a great vehicle for you," uh, and then he starts saying. This would be this. This is not just for men like me. This is a great place for families. A great place for babies. He's saying it's a great place for babies while he's walking past, like with his head. God Another miss- very funny thing is he, he instead of saying he'll say he'll call the the people that that are like attacking the um the ladies or the people he wants the ladies to protect himself from bad guys, bad guys. Like he's yeah. like a, like he's like a ten year old kid, <laughs> not rapists, not criminals, not gang members, but bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we're actually it's probably better that Derek didn't, because considering yeah. the fact that his promotional material for this movie, the Savage Crime Show, had him accusing a bunch of refugees, he probably would have said a racial slur instead of yeah, bad. probably. Um, uh, th- this movie also is a tells you that you're supposed to tell or supposed to tell you how to get your CCW, which is a concealed weapon permit, essentially just allows you to carry a gun in a fanny pack wherever you go. Um, instead of doing that, Derek says, oh, yeah, just uh, just look, just look online and then shows there was one guy, the guy who was teaching the CCW class, who is like the only person who knew what he was talking about the entire movie. And then Derek shows like two seconds of him before going back to him going, Dear Lord Almighty, I just got my CCW. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's actually it's really really hard to take Derek serious when he's you know saying all these sayings and stuff. Well, he goes and interrupts a karate class for rape victims, going like, "Hey, and you can just poke them in the eyes, you can kick them in the balls, you know, you can do all this stuff." Yeah. By the way, the guy who owned that uh that martial arts place, he looked. Drugged out of his mind. He did. Did you see his teeth? His teeth were yeah. practically rotting out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, he he was uh, he was not that good to look at. But then he talk yeah. and he tells stuff like, "Okay, we're gonna practice these punches." And Derek just comes in. Hey, you know, you can just kick him with <laughs> the balls if you want to. But the best scene in the movie, which he saved for last, thank God, was him showing his knife skills. <laughs> oh my god I mean if I was a woman I would be so into that I'm kidding no he he is like be like now knife is a last resort so let me just show you going down with a knife and it's just like he's going up to the screen going watch it da, da, da. it's like he's like a little kid who's just showing he's off lifted. his weapon collection what would you even use a knife for imagine a guy walks up here help I need medical attention and Derek turns around and does his <laughs> knife skills <laughs> that guy is probably gonna die medical attention well okay so there's another scene in this movie I wanted to talk about and that's where it's two scenes that Derek does in his house where first off he's in his room he hears a bump downstairs and then he goes and goes like hey who's there he's carrying like a giant gun and then he comes around the corner and there's a mannequin wearing a cool cat shirt he's like hey so we this person's wearing a cool cat shirt which means he's a friend i'm like so what you're essentially saying is someone could buy a cool cat shirt wear it 
break into your house and steal all your stuff, but he's your friend because he's wearing a cool cap. And another thing is, I'm questioning how old Derek actually is because he said in the movie that at 10 years old, he was working in a machine gun factory. Was he a, was he a kid in like the Great Depression or World War II? I mean, what the heck? <laughs> no, yeah, Derek, uh, Derek, you, uh, you're, you're pretty old, dude. Um, another, another, uh, thing I, uh, I just want to say, uh, Derek looks at the camera in one scene really seriously and he goes, you know, I just read a news story it, you know, in the, in the, in the gosh darn newspaper. I just read a news story that a child was shot in this area. So what is your solution? Cool cat, kid superhero, <laughs> my new movie. It's like, Derek, you, uh, Derek has the same thing in his cool cat, uh, Stops a school shooting Indiegogo campaign. Um, he's like, we're I'm tired of these school shootings, and I know the solution. It's cool cap. Like, Derek, gun-related problem solutions are not your very obscure children's character. That's just not true. Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, is there anything else I want to mention with this movie? Uh, yeah, he said all elderly people should have guns. Um, if you can't afford a gun, get mace and a stun gun and just use it on anyone. Uh, that, that's all I learned in this movie. Also to buy cool cat kid superhero. Yeah. Oh, the one, one more thing I want to say is Derek had once said that if you try to monetize something that uses other copyrighted stuff, even for a brief bit, then it's not okay. Uh, his exact words was monetized is a big no, no. <laughs> But there's a scene in the movie when he's at the place where you get the CCW where in the background you could see National Geographic, which, by the way, is owned by Disney. So what Derek, by Derek's logic, Disney could sue him, especially because I don't think Disney wants their brand associated with gun self-defense <laughs> for women and for men, too, featuring a brief advertisement for Cool Cat. Yeah. But anyway, if you're, like, getting bored, if you're out there, you know, in the whole shutdown, you're getting kind of depressed and bored, I recommend watching this movie and Cool Cat. It's, I mean, you have to buy a DVD. It's not, obviously, it's not on Netflix or anything else, but I forget how much it costs. How much does it cost again? So, uh, sometimes Derek will give you a sale, but most of the time it's going to be twelve ninety nine. Sometimes you could get it for ten ninety nine. Uh, I know also... Not gun self defense is not, but the uh, Cool Cat Kid superhero is available to rent on Amazon Prime, and you can also buy the DVD on Amazon. Um, but other than that, you're either gonna have to go on eBay um, or Derek's website from 1992. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> what are we thinking for a score on this? Um. I want to give it a, a, a 10 for enjoyment, <laughs> but I think I'm going to have to give it a one. I'll actually not take it back half. Yeah, half. I mean, Derek, I love this movie, but it is awful. It is <laughs> so bad. It is terrible. Um, but everyone, please, please give money to Derek because I want to see more of his stuff because it's really funny. All right. So... The next and final movie we'll be talking about today is a movie so epic. It is from 
the home of the best of the best movies. Directed by Nibwana IGG from Ramon Film Productions. It is Who Killed Captain Alex? Uganda first action-packed movie. Now, a little heads up for this movie. This, and this is something they must do in Uganda that I've never seen before. They have a, something called a, a video joker that I never knew about, but I do recommend buying this movie because it is a very inter- it's a very interesting and also very entertaining way. I, I don't... How would you describe entertain? How would you describe like so, movie jokers? Video jokers. Video are jokers. Yeah. They um, or VJ for short. Um, the one for this movie is the always incredible VJ Emmy. Um, are essentially people who it's it's something that originated from Uganda. It is where someone talks over the entire movie and essentially does two things: explain the plot and tell jokes or sometimes like in this movie they just uh, uh like they spaz out and just yell movie or you are watching a movie the movie you are watching is who killed captain alex or just very random things it's really it's like, really weird this whole movie has a lot of random things for example VJ Emmy will just call birds dinosaurs for no reason <laughs> sometimes VJ Emmy will just yell movie 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 and other times, um, you just uh, hear a pan flute version of the song Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> you see, like, a guy sneaking into a free online asset attack helicopter, and then you're just hearing Kiss from a Rose <laughs> in the background. Uh, this movie this movie is great. Yeah, it, yeah. it is the best movie. Or, sorry, the best movie. The super mm. Uh, that's how they want to call you to call it. Um, trying to describe the plot of this movie is like trying to describe the plot of a really weird dream you had. Essentially, and I'll try to boil this down as best I can, there's a gang called the Tiger Mafia in uh, Wakalaja, Uganda, and they have uh, a lot of members. They're led by Richard, who has a little brother, and they also have this guy from Russia who just randomly kills people because he's a mercenary. So the Ugandan government wants to kill the Tiger Mafia. So they hire this guy named Captain Alex, and they want Captain Alex to kill the Tiger Mafia. So they have an attack, and in that attack, they capture Little Richard's brother. So Little Richard gets upset and has someone try to seduce Captain Alex. But then Captain Alex, oh no, he gets shot, and they don't know who. So they capture two more Ugandan guys, and then Captain Alex's brother is going to try to avenge him because he's the karate master. And then there's a cop, too, and then one of Richard's wives gets shot and gets amnesia, and then she comes and becomes friends with uh, Captain Alex's brother, and then there's this big final fight scene, and then the movie's over. (laughs) Um, That's pretty much it. It's just a very weird movie. And with, with all this happening, with all these scenes... The best part is that the VJ just yells random crap. <laughs> it's just- I mean, there's also just random stuff like in the first attack scene, one of the members of the Tiger Mafia is just Spider-Man. <laughs> or someone will get shot and killed and you hear the VJ going, oh, I want my mommy. Something yeah. Weird like that. It's supposed to add humor to someone getting killed. I don't know. I mean, Uganda's a third world country. It's, it's a pretty weird country. Um. Different, I mean, but, not weird, but, like, different countries in America, so. 
Yeah, what do I they, know? <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's the best of the best. Not the mm-hmm. best of the best, the best of the best. Um, and yeah, the plot makes no sense, but it doesn't really matter. You're not there for the plot. You're here to see ridiculous action scenes um, where there's the, he's re- yelling like, the tiger is in the cage. The tiger is in the cage. Um, <laughs> and you just like, it's super charming. It's like the most, like, it's terrible, but it is so good. And the fact that these people took $200, made a computer out of scraps they found in a dump, and got a hard drive that they could store one movie on, and made a movie with, like, free assets from their computer, and printed it on some DVDs and uploaded it to YouTube and then deleted that movie from their hard drive so they can make more movies. It's just, it's just an inspiring story. It is a fantastic, but also completely terrible movie. It's also very inspiring as how they made such like Oscar nominated CGI too. (laughs) The CGI in this movie at the very end, uh, there's, you see a helicopter and the helicopters there the uh, missiles fire backward. So you see a helicopter fly past the building and it's clear they just took Photoshop to try to make buildings look like they were exploding. And it's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. It is so good. I'll give them credit because, I mean, they made... I mean, to be honest, the action was somewhat entertaining a little bit. Because everyone in Uganda knows Kung Fu. I know, but the fact that they were able to do that with such limited stuff—I mean, you gotta give them a credit to where, you gotta give them credit to where it's due. Exactly. Um, so the other thing is that the acting uh, is hilarious, the dialogue is hilarious, uh, the action is hilarious, but also kind of good. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some scenes where they're like sneaking around, where they're just diving through puddles. Um, uh, the other thing is that I want to mention a couple more VJME lines. Uh, definitely when they're planning to build camp on a pile of sewage, the VJME is just going like, and over here, I want dancing girls, beautiful girls. And then the other one I wanted to mention is uh, <laughs> there's a scene where Captain Alex is about to get hot and heavy with the uh, Tiger Mafia spy who is trying to seduce him. And then you hear BJ Abbey go, I want to beat the rat serious. <laughs> yeah. See, random stuff like that that makes this movie so damn enjoyable. <laughs> so, obviously, for final scores, I am easily giving this a 10 out of 10. Obviously. I mean, if there was such thing as a 15 out of 10, I would give it that. I mean, exactly. even 100 out of 10. I mean, this movie is just, this movie honestly should have been nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> This this movie is simultaneously like, the worst movie and the best movie I have ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it should be nominated just for like you know for just how it was made and such limited stuff, you know. For, exactly. Know, nominated for most inspiring movie. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, this movie is available for free on YouTube with ads. Uh, you can also buy the DVD, support these guys so they can make more ridiculous action movies. Uh, whatever you do, though, even if you just watch it on YouTube, watch this movie. It is the greatest thing you have ever seen in your entire life. The best movie you've ever seen. To quote well, Derek Savage, amen, praise God. <laughs> All right. So that is going to do it for the third episode 
of the movies you've seen on the Silver Screen Podcast. As always, uh, or as I said in the beginning, um, this is just going to come out at random times whenever we have enough movies that we feel like we could talk about for a long enough time. Uh, We do four movies a podcast. um, So whenever we have, we should hopefully have another one soon, but after that again. Actually, maybe even like two weeks from now because I'll I'll have availability to Disney Plus and I'll be able to watch some like the new movies on that. Um, like Artemis Fowl. Yeah, which Yeah. <laughs> I've actually read the book about, so kind of excited to just to see its adaptation, but also excited to see how bad it is. Yeah, I uh I never read the books as a kid, but I can say for certain that it's awful. It is yeah. terrible. Um so yeah, maybe be discussing that in the future. Um mm-hmm. definitely be doing these again. Uh, we mm-hmm. can't tell you when, because even we don't know. But yeah, next time. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank All you. right. Cool. All right. Goodbye. Have Goodbye. a good time. Uh, stay safe out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. And remember, Cool Cat loves you. Amen. Praise God to that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.